somebody that's lived in this country or maybe knows a little bit about church, and you ask them what this weekend is, they would say, well, it's about Easter Sunday, right? And they, they know vaguely, maybe, even if they're not churchgoers, that this has got something to do with, you know, Jesus' uh, resurrection and, and his, you know, the death and all that. But they're not really familiar with maybe the term Good Friday, but they know about Easter Sunday. And so they may know of some of the events on Friday, but they don't understand its connection to Sunday. And so this morning, I just wanted to emphasize the fact for us today that, you know, uh, without uh, today, there is no Easter Sunday. There is no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. Amen? The two of them are tied together like peanut butter and jelly. You know, if I can help those, the, the younger crowd here, you know. You just, you seem to not want one without the other. Well, you can't separate the two here this morning. And uh, so I'm just going to ask the Lord to help us to understand the significance of this. And, uh, and then we're going to have communion at the end. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's sacrifice that he gave for each and every one of us. So Father, we just ask for your help today as we, we look at your scripture. And we understand how there is no celebration on Sunday if there was not a Friday. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, take us through your word this morning and you would help us to understand. You would help us to appreciate. You would help us to grow, to know the love that sent Jesus to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's important to know that Jesus understood that the crucifixion was his mission. Jesus understood that, that he came to die. He knew that. He whether how young he knew that, at what age he comprehended that, we, we're not really sure. But we know that by the time the Holy Week came around, Jesus knew that his mission was to go to the cross. He knew his mission was to give his life. And I got to ask myself this week, I wonder, I wonder if people ever ask themselves why it's called Good Friday. Uh, you know, so when you ponder the events of the day, even Jesus knowing that he's going to die, you know, uh, and that he was going to suffer torture and execution and uh, an abandonment from the Father uh, at that crucial moment of his death. Um, you know, to say it's a Good Friday is like saying, it, you know, it's good torture, right? Uh, it's like, why would we want to uh, magnify and call good something that brought so much pain? But the scripture makes it so plain that it's good because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And uh, it's clear from the Bible that Jesus understood that he was born, he came to earth to die on the cross, that the cross was his mission. Many modern preachers and, and, and you know, gurus and self-help people and everything else will tell you that what was significant about Jesus was, was his life. Or they'll say what was significant about Jesus you know, was, um, my clicker's not working today, what, was just his life. Or they'll say what was important about Jesus was his teaching. It's his teaching that matters, and we just got to get a hold of Jesus' teaching, and if we get that, then uh, then that's what matters in life. And uh, well, let me tell you, Jesus' life was important, and his teaching was important. In fact, I don't think there's ever been a teacher his equal in all the history that we have. And Jesus' example of dying on the cross was valuable. It was a valuable example to us to learn what it is to make sacrifices for other people. Have you ever met? individuals who are so self-centered that they never seem to grasp what it's like to sacrifice for other people? How many like being around those kind of people? <laughs> no. If they don't know what it's like to lay their life down for somebody else, to inconvenience themselves for somebody else's uh, joy or somebody else's 
uh, convenience or life. They're not nice people to be around. And, uh, and yet, you know, the example Jesus, Jesus gave us was of sacrifice, of laying your life down for someone else. And it was the greatest sacrifice of all. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, his, his example was so valuable that we even wear it on our wrist. You know, we ask that question, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? So we agree that his example is important. But that's still not why Jesus came. It was the mission of why Jesus came. And if we stop preaching that he came for the cross, we eliminate Christianity as a faith. If you say that Jesus was all just about his life, all just about his teaching, just about his example, and you take out the cross, you take out the suffering, you take out the sacrifice, we don't have Christianity anymore. What we have is a self-help improvement group. Right? That's what we have. And we're no different than any other self-help improvement group, except that we have our guru. Many of them don't. They just have some ideas or some philosophies that we would be able to say, well, our guru is Jesus, and we're the greatest self-help group around. But we're more, we're more than that. We are believers in the cross. And we wear the cross as a symbol to remind us that we are a people of the cross. We recognize that without the cross, our faith is meaningless. Without Jesus' sacrifice, all of the things that we're doing are of naught. Jesus' mission is what gives our faith its substance. Amen? Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We get appreciation here of how the Father planned it this way and how Jesus embraced his mission to the cross. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, I've got it on the screen. It's a little small. Um, I can read it, no problem, from here. You folks in the back, okay, you got it good? Uh, but it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, do you understand Jesus is teaching them all this before, everybody say before, before, before it takes place. So he begins to teach the disciples this, and, and then Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. How many know rebuking Jesus is not a good idea? You know, I highly don't recommend you get into the ministry of rebuking God. It's not a really highly uh, popular ministry. It doesn't carry a lot of benefits with it, you know. But Peter got into that ministry, and he said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Right? He has he is literally found the person that he believes carries the words of life. And now that person saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be killed. But it's okay, I'm going to raise from the dead. And then Peter's like, no! Not going to happen to you. Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. See, you, you want to rebuke the Lord? This is the kind of expected response you might get. He says, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Yikes. Jesus said, this, said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me, for my sake, will find it. One of the most powerful passages of scripture. Jesus Making it so clear, so clear 
that he understood his purpose for being. From the time he was born in a manger, his purpose for being wasn't just to teach or to heal or to bring joy. His purpose in being was to die. He was prepared from infancy. We talked about this a couple years ago. Prepared from infancy, wrapped like a sacrificial lamb, and brought before the world to die on our behalf. Christ was born that he might become our sacrifice. Jesus understood his mission was the cross and that anyone to get in the way of it was no better than Satan himself. That if if you tried to interfere with the road map that was before him, then you were working for the other side is what Jesus was telling Peter. Wow, that is strong language. Now, it's important to understand that the cross was the plan from the beginning. This is the hard part for us to grasp. It's like we think to ourselves, okay, so Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and then then God, the Father, we had to come up with a plan. He was like, hmm, going to have to come up with something here. And he sat on it for a few thousand years, and then finally decided, I'll send my son. That's what I'll do. You know, and I think if we're honest, that's probably, you know, we think chronologically, right? So we think chronologically, we think there must have been some way that that's how it happened. But it's not how it happened. That the plan of Jesus to sacrifice himself for us was laid before the foundations of the earth. I know it's mind-boggling for us, but it's true. The father who created the garden and created Adam and Eve and created them with the potential to choose sin over righteousness and, and, and who knew the choice they would make because if he didn't know the choice they would make, he's not God, right? Is everybody following me so far? All of that, he had a plan to deal with it right from the beginning. And this is all through scripture. And I just want to, it's going to be really quick to put these up on the, on the screen for you this morning. But, you know, this was the plan of the Father right from the beginning. And Jesus even noted in Matthew 26, verse 54, he, he, he said, if he, you know, if he refused to die, then how should the scriptures be fulfilled? Then it must be so. And again, he said in verse 56, and all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. What scriptures are we talking about? Well, let's look at some of them this morning. There's a lot of them. Uh, In Psalm 41, verse 9, it says, even my close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus even knew. It was written in the scripture in the Psalms years before how he would be betrayed. It was written how much he would be betrayed for. Zechariah 11, 12 says they paid me Uh, 30 pieces of silver. Uh, He knew how his followers would react. Zechariah 13, 7. Uh, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He knew that the the disciples would leave him and abandon him at his most precious time. Who would accuse him? Psalm 35. Uh, Ruthless, uh, it says that ruthless uh, witnesses came forward. They repay me evil for good and they leave my soul forlorn. Psalm 35, 11 to 12. How would he respond? He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Isaiah 53, verse 7. Come on now. How he would suffer. Isaiah verse 50, chapter 50, verse 6. Uh, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. Those are pretty specific details. And it's how it took place. He knew how he would die. Zechariah 12, verse 10. He, he, they look on me, the one they have what? Pierced. The one they have pierced. 
knew how the crowd would react. Isaiah 50 and verse 6, again, in the second portion of the verse. I did not uh, hide my face from mocking and spitting. And we read in the biblical account, that's exactly what happened. The soldiers, they mocked him. They, they, they you know, challenged him to come down off the cross. They spit on him. They, they made fun of him. With whom he would die, Isaiah 53, verse 12. With whom he would die. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with transgressors. Jesus was hung between what? Two thieves. He was hung between transgressors, right? How would these criminals respond? With, uh, it says in Psalm 22, verse 7 and 8, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, then we go on. At his death, he would suffer thirst. Psalm 69, verse 21. And it says, they put uh, gall in, uh, in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. That his bones would not be broken. Usually they came up and they slammed their legs with a club, right? So that they forced them to put their weight down on their arms and collapse their heart and their lungs. But with Jesus, when they came up, they were think, looked at him and they said, hmm. And they just poked his side and blood and water flowed, realizing that his lungs had already collapsed and that he was sitting on the apex of death. They did not need to break his legs at all. The fact that they would gamble over his robe, Psalm 22, verse 18. Uh, it says, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. And all of these verses, folks, hundreds of years before Jesus uh, came to the earth. He would cry out to the Lord, Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are the exact words that Jesus called out to the Lord while he hung on the cross. And in the end, uh, at the end, he would pray. And the Psalm 31, verse 5 says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. The very words that Jesus spoke when he hung on the cross. Why did Jesus die? To fulfill the plan that the Father had laid down and prophesied about from the foundations of the earth. It was to fulfill the plan for the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the earth. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb prepared to give his life for all humanity before God even began creation. Such thoughts are difficult for us to comprehend, but God always had a plan. Everybody say always. always. He always had a plan. God never had a V8 moment. You know those moments? You guys have had those before, right? You're driving halfway to some place and you go, I forgot something at home, or did I unplug the iron? Come on, you guys have had those. Maybe you don't, you don't do the physical slap in the head. If you do, good for you, because it's not good for you. But, but, you know, God's never had one of those aha moments. Do you know what I mean? God has had a plan from the beginning. He is God. He knows the beginning from the end. One of the descriptors of his nature is that he is omniscient. He knows everything. Everybody say everything. everything. So his plan from the beginning was to give his own son to die on our behalf. He knew that, that, that sin would come into it, and he couldn't have sin in his presence. It had to be paid for. And he knew the only sacrifice that would ever fulfill the requirement was his own divine son. It's the only way it could be paid. Wow. And guess what? He did all this for you. All for you. Everybody say, for me. for me. He did it all for you. Now, 
one last thing I want to point out is that when Jesus came to earth, we have this uh, thing called the incarnation, right? And how Jesus was uh, God in the flesh, right? And so even though Jesus uh, had uh, still the nature of God while he was in the flesh, he did not have the attributes of divinity while he was in the flesh. In other words, God, Jesus couldn't be everywhere at the same place at the same time. He wasn't omnipresent while he was here on earth. He wasn't omniscient. Does everybody understand? I mean, there, he even had to say to the disciples when they said, when will you return? He said, only my Father in heaven knows, right? So while he walked on the earth, there were certain limitations that he experienced because he walked in the flesh, right? Uh, he still had, was, was perfect love, he was still perfect grace, he was still perfect mercy, but there were aspects of the divine that, that he had to set aside in order to become flesh. Does everybody get that? All right? So in that, you have to understand that there are aspects of this journey to the cross that he was experiencing just like you and me. That when Jesus went to the cross, it's not like he had a body that didn't feel pain that didn't feel hunger, that didn't feel thirst. It experienced all those things. That when he went to the cross, he endured and suffered just like any one of us would in the exact same situation. All right? And so Jesus, uh, in his divinity though, all right, had at his command the very power of God. And it's important for us to understand in this journey that not only was it the will of the Father to send him, but it was the will of the Son to go. And that Jesus refused to take the easy way out. His obedience to the Father's saving plan, the plan conceived in the heart of God, like I said, before any of us were, continued throughout the entire Holy Week. And it's an amazing story. On Monday, he turned over the money changers' tables and he infuriated all the authorities. It's like he was begging them to come after him, right? Then the Bible tells us that on Tuesday, he defeated them in debate. They started talking to him and challenging them on who he was, and, and he humiliated them in front of their peers. So he gets them angry. Now he's, he's embarrassing them publicly, right? And then even, even where Jesus on Thursday chose to go, you know, if he'd have stayed in the public, they wouldn't have dared arrest him. Think about it. Remember what happened last Sunday? Palm Sunday, does everybody remember what happened then? I mean, he was very popular among the common folk, right? And the crowds came out, and they laid branches down on the street, and Jesus came riding into town uh, on, on, on a mule, a symbol of peace. But he came in riding like a conquering king, but he came in on a symbol of peace, a mule. It's important to understand that. And the crowds loved him, right? And they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. I mean, they were starting to get a picture of how powerful he was. And the Pharisees also had a picture of how powerful he was. And he was upsetting their apple cart. So then he goes into Monday and Tuesday. And now Thursday, you would think he'd stay out in the public where nobody can touch him. But he didn't. What did he do on Thursday? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to the one place where they could arrest him and nobody would really know. He set himself into a position to be taken. He set himself into a position to be arrested. He set himself up to be taken into custody, to be arrested, and brought before his accusers in a way where they were now in control, and he was giving up control and accepting the journey that he must take to the cross. Does everybody understand that this morning? And there he stood while uh, Judas came up and identified him with a kiss, and he was taken away into custody. 
And then Jesus said this, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting. Matthew 26, verse 53. Jesus said, Do you not think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels to his deliverance and defense? Jesus said that. He said that. Did you know that a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers? In other words, Jesus was saying, I could just, I could just call out to the Lord and he would send 72,000 angels to come here to my defense. They would come and they would instantly be here. Twelve legions of them would come and be here. But he didn't do that. He didn't take the easy way of it. Jesus could have, but he refused to. He would not do it. Jesus did it. For who? Everybody say for me. All of this was for you. All of this was for me. All of it. Now, I want to finish up this morning. You can just uh, can you turn me down a little bit, and then I, I can shout, and then we don't have any ringing. We can, uh, less, uh, less power, more me. It'll be fine. <laughs> I could probably preach without a microphone. You'd all hear me all right anyway, right? So, uh, but anyway, that's uh, something we need to understand. Uh, we all love the sound of resurrection, right? Resurrection is awesome, but you can only resurrect what's dead. This kind of hit me the other day. I thought, you know what? You can't resurrect something that isn't dead. Only the dead can be resurrected. And so in order for there to be resurrection Sunday, there had to be Good Friday. There had to be death in order to have resurrected life. Does everybody follow that? That resurrection follows death. So that tells us that the path to resurrection is the path to death. If you want to get to resurrection, you've got to die. You've got to die. It's just, it's just what it is. It's just a fact. So in other words, Friday is the path to Sunday. Everybody say that with me this morning. Friday is the path to Sunday. Say it again. Friday is the path to Sunday. Here's the bad news for you, or good news, depending how you want to look at it. Also, in other words, there's a good Friday for everybody. You know, it never ceases that people say to me, Oh, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, as Paul said. And then what did Paul say right after that? Come on, does anybody know? Can you quote the rest of the scripture for me? And share in the fellowship of his suffering. Oh, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want the power. And Jesus said, you want resurrection power? Then you have to have crucifixion death. Ow. Really? Yep. Yep. You have to experience death. There is a good Friday for every one of us. Now, for the believer, and get this this morning. If you're going to take a picture of any slide this morning, take this one. For the believer, death is not something that comes at the end. Death is what happened the day I came to Christ. When I come to Christ, I die. Everybody say, I die. When I come to Christ, I die. I die. I take up my cross and I die. This is important. This is Christian theology 101. 
that in order for me to have resurrection power working through my life, I must take up my cross and I must die. The way to resurrection power is the way of the cross. It's, it's true for every single one of us. On that day, I died. On that day, the day I came to Christ, I gave up my will. I sacrificed it to the will of the Father. And on that day, I echoed the words of Jesus. If there's any way to take this cup from me, if there was any other way to come to God, I'd take it. How many know? So would I. Say, so would I. If there's any other way, but the reality is, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. The way to resurrection power is, is the way of death. Is the way of death. Now, the good news is that resurrection power and death, thankfully, thankfully, uh, don't take on the exact same form for us that they took on for Jesus. But the truth is, we still have resurrection power when we've died. Just like Jesus, we must have a Friday so we can have a Sunday. Now, what's our Friday look like? Jesus calls very few of us to have to physically die, but we need to be willing to physically die. But he does call us to die to ourself, to die to our ambitions, to die to our uh, legal right to ourself and to give the legal right to him. That's what he calls each and every Christian to. And I think the thing that the world is looking for from the church is for us to return to the place where we have handed over our legal right to ourself and given it back to God. When they see a people who have surrendered the legal right to themselves and given it to Jesus, then they, they will see a people who have resurrection power. And they will stand in awe of the people of God. Does that make any sense? And I believe the world is looking to see that. And when the church acts like that, when the church responds like that, the world takes note. You know, the Bible even says they'll know that we are Christians by our love for them. No. By our love for one another. When we love one another, when we serve one another, when we honor the sacrifice of Christ with one another, when we have died to ourselves and we're able to do it for one another, then the world notices. It produces power. Amen? So I want you to understand today that just as Jesus had to have Good Friday, we have to have a Good Friday in our life. We have, and that day should come. That day is supposed to come when we give our life to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, if, if you're going to come after me, you've got to count the cost. Because if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to lay it all down. And once you lay it all down, then I can give you what I want to give you. But I can't if you don't lay it down. You've got to surrender it to me so that I can release all of my power and my favor to you. You have to lay it down. Does everybody understand what I'm saying this morning? And that's why we celebrate Good Friday today. Jesus laid it all down so that there could be a resurrection Sunday. There could be life for every one of us. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the band to uh, come back up this morning. And we're going to share communion together this morning. And um, <clears throat> if you're visiting with us today, we don't, we don't see communion as an act which saves us. We see it as something we do because we are saved. And we do it, as the Bible says, as often as we do it in remembrance of him.
of what Jesus did for us. This is a memorial service. When we gather around this table, we participate together and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. We remember what Jesus did for us, that he endured the first Good Friday so that every one of us could experience a Resurrection Sunday. Amen? And we gather around the table and we remember how great a sacrifice produced such great fruit. And that's why the Bible tells us as we remember that, we're reminded of the resurrection power that is now ours in him. And that's why Paul told us that, you know, it's also a table of healing. It's a table of restoration. It's a table where if you've got relationships that have been severed, God can heal them this morning. If you've got sickness in your body, God can heal it this morning. Resurrection power is available to heal this morning because Jesus gave his life on Good Friday. Bible says that by his stripes that we are healed. Someone say amen. All of this made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. All of it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the uh, elders to come forward and we're going to serve uh, communion to the congregation this morning. If you've not been to communion at Desert Stream before, um, we don't pass the emblems down through the aisles. We encourage people to come to the front and partake of the emblems together. Um, people say, is there a religious reason why you do that? No. Uh, it's more of a practical one. Uh, we have a lot of children here in this way. Nothing gets spilled as it goes through the aisles or anything like that, you know. And it makes it easier uh, that way. And we also do it because it's a beautiful thing symbolizing us coming to the cross coming to him and partaking of him and so that's why we do it this way um, there is no desert stream theology 101 that it needs to be done this way we just do it this way because we believe this works for us and we encourage you to participate with it. you don't need to be a desert stream person uh, you just need to be a Jesus person you need to be somebody who's experienced Jesus uh, as your savior and and then if, if, if you encounter God or if you're even searching for God, then you need to come today and you need to receive Jesus' healing touch in your life and participate together as a family of God. Because Jesus is here for every one of us. Amen? Beautiful thing is that there's nobody left on the outside. Jesus loves every single one of us here this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand together this morning. And uh, as the worship team leads us in worship, we invite you to come up. Uh, parents, if your kids are, are know the Lord and they're, they're at that age as well, then just help them grab the emblems, take them back to your seat. Um, and uh, that would be fantastic. And then we'll uh, serve the worship team and the guys in the sound booth and all that kind of stuff, and then we'll partake together. So, Father, we just thank you for your gift of salvation. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for Good Friday because, Father, there is no Sunday without Friday. And we thank you for the sacrifice. And we thank you, Lord, that you're calling every one of us to our own Friday so that God, Resurrection Sunday, can live in and through every one of us. And we thank you today. We ask the Lord around this table of sacrifice and of love that there would be healing and there would be restoration today because, Jesus, you died to purchase those things for us. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you as you come for take care.